Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Future Podcast. This is where we talk about the business of design and the changing landscape of what it takes to be a design professional in the 21st century. I'm your host, Chris Doe. Today, I want to dig into our archives and share a popular episode from our YouTube channel. You'll be hearing from these from time to time as we have over 100 episodes recorded. Hey everybody, welcome to The Process. I'm Chris on a very special late night edition. We are talking to Yo Santosa, a woman with many titles, the founder and creative director of several companies, four at least, four and counting, Feral Concrete, Commodity, Fruit, and LA Downtowner. Stick around because we're going to be talking about branding, how you can learn from it, how businesses can improve their customer retention with branding and building personalities. Stick around. Let me try this again. I want you guys to listen to me. Yeah. I design sandwiches. My name is Jose Caballero, and I talk about the business of design. (laughs) I talk about a lot of stuff. My name is Chris Doe, and I talk about the business of design. At the center of this operating system, it's about understanding. Jose, can we just tell them what the show title is? I hate you, dude. You are watching The Process. (laughs) You guys did a great job. We are packed here. A whole bunch of people. I'm sure they have a bunch of questions. And so the audience has been instructed to ask questions. Then there's no holds bar here with the show, right? Let's start at the beginning in case people aren't familiar with you, Yo. First of all, you prefer Yo, and your full name is Yo. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Your background is in graphic design. You went to Art Center. Mm-hmm. Just give us the really brief history. How did you get Ferro Concrete started? Um, graduated from Art Center and then went to work for a branding agency really quick, two weeks. Didn't like it. Went to work in motion graphics for five and a half years and then wow. happened to be lucky to um, find out that the owners of Pinkberry are looking for an agency. My friend told me about it. I tried it, loved it. So I uh, pitched an idea that Saturday and then got the project and then I quit my job and started Ferro Concrete. Nice. Now, I, know, I happen to know the story, so there's a little bit more detail, and I think you just skipped over some of it. <laughs> Yo went, wanted to pitch the, uh, the new business, so she took some time off. Did you take vacation or personal days? What did you do? Vacation time. So she took some vacation time, worked on her deck, got the job, and then quit. And that's a pretty genius way of doing it. Minimize the risk. If she didn't get it, she might have quit anyways, but who knows? And the rest is history, I suppose. What is branding? How do you define it? And maybe... The most important question is, why does it matter for businesses? So Mm. take it away. What is branding (laughs) to you? For me, branding is very personal. As a kid, I remember my mom was, uh, we were shopping for toys, and then she said, here's here's two, I wanted Lego, so here's Lego, this box, it was tiny, and then she's like, hey, it's a China version, and it's huge, and it's the same price. You can get this one or this one. I said, no, I'll take the small one. So as a kid, I already knew what brand is. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but... There's just something about it that's like visceral. It's just gut instincts. And I, um, as I grew older, I think teenager, I remember I just love window shopping. But I just love looking at items on the shelves and like asking myself, why do, why was I attracted to this? Why am I not attracted to this? Eventually, why I, I wanted to do branding because everything is just instincts. And it's like sometimes when you look at products, you look at things it's like something is pulling your brain back and forth and your emotion but you don't know what it is it's all just like invisible threads right. and it's just so interesting okay do you know what that invisible thread is the forces that work <laughs> it's how a brand speaks how a brand um looks what it stands for and um how honest and transparent they are as a company um there's also have to be some aspects of like being good how the product itself have to be amazing obviously 
you can't brand something that's just silly. Inherently, you start with what it is in at the core, which is the tone. How does it speak? The personality, mm. um, the emotions that it's trying to get you to feel. There's something that Simon Sinek talks about in that we trust people and companies that believe what we believe. Mm -hmm. So they're they're speaking to your gut, and your gut doesn't actually have words to describe, and you, you describe it as instinct, and that's what they're tapping into. Mm -hmm. The reason why you buy Apple over another product or company, even though they're more expensive and probably don't even have the best features, is because you believe what they believe in, or they believe what you believe in, so you feel a connection. Mm -hmm. And that gets into this whole like tribes that we belong to. If I'm a Harley rider, or if I'm a Honda guy, or an Acura guy, or a Mercedes guy, it says something about me, and the things that we buy says right. something about us. Right. I imagine as a little girl, you didn't want the off-brand Lego product because maybe you felt like it was counterfeit, and then you would be a counterfeit, <laughs> and you don't want these knockoffs, right? Uh -huh. Probably why you like brand name fashions or things of that nature, mm -hmm. even though they're similar products, because mm -hmm. you believe what they believe in. Yep. Okay, and so you, the amazing part of this is I'm really analytical. I'm the opposite of you. You do th things through in instinct and your gut and emotion and whatever. For me, I have to decode it, put it into categories, and put a one or a zero next to it. Wow. And so <laughs> I've admired your work for a really long time. Thank and you. And I've been reverse engineering it for quite some time. Yikes. So I want to learn a little bit more about <laughs> how you do what you do. But before we jump into it, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how, at least from my point of view, People use the word brand all the time. I need a new brand. But what they really mean is I need a new identity or a logo. Mm -hmm. And how even big firms say we're a branding firm, but what they really are, they're an identity systems designer. They design the entire identity system. The color palettes, how it's going to roll out on airplanes and trucks and all that kind of stuff. But they really don't do any messaging. Mm -hmm. Is that branding? It's part of branding. Um, I would say that's one of the not one step below but it's something it's one of the channels one of the facets yeah one of the facets of branding okay so would so you say it's one of the facets so I, I want to like harder line answer like yes or no would you so say companies that, that design identity systems would you consider them a branding firm <gasps> nobody's watching this don't worry no no okay oh yes no. <laughs> no? Oh, yes, come on. You can't have both? Well, I don't know. Well, certain... certain you want a lifeline? Yes, I want a lifeline. Let's, let's lifeline. ask What do you guys think? <laughs> if a company designs amazing, beautiful identity systems, some of the biggest in the world, is that branding? What's your understanding of branding? Is an arm a part of your body? Is an arm a human being? No. How's your logic now? <laughs> no? I don't believe logos are brands. That's not branding at all. It's a mark. It's an identity system. Uh, Marty Neumeyer's definition of brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or an organization. It's a feeling. It's not a mark. It's all of these things, but it's not that thing. So let's think about that. If, if I can do a public service for the world of designers, please do not c confuse a logo as a brand. A brand has to have a voice. A personality has touch points, right? Because you're not buying the Apple logo. You're buying everything that the company stands for. And mm -hmm. how do they do that? They did that through things like uh, Think Different, where they showed pictures of Einstein, of Kitty, is it Kitty Hawk? Or I don't know. Uh, the, of, of The Wright Brothers. The Wright Brothers, or Martin Luther King. People who thought different. And we see ourselves as artists 
to go against the mainstream as nonconformist. That's why we identify with Apple. Mm-hmm. And for until they totally royally screw it up, I'll be a diehard Apple fanboy to the day I die. And so will my kids. Let me hit you up with another question then. Mm-hmm. People that have seen your work, where, where should they go to see your work? Um, ferroconcrete.com. Or? Or yosantosa.com. And they, they are, they're on the branding train. They want to get positioning right. How do they approach this? If I was just trained in graphic design, and you even said this at the beginning of the show, which was... I wasn't trained to do this, but somehow you figured it out. So give us some tips as designers who want to elevate our game from being not just an identity system designer, but a brander. What do I need to do? Um, um, I think you always have to start by understanding who they're trying to target, what, who's a customer, um, and, and really understand what do those people like, how, what are their hobbies, or what are they visually attracted to, knowing all those things. It's almost like, for me, wh- the way I look at branding is you're just a matchmaker. You're trying to make two things fall in love with each other. So if, you, if, you're, tr- if you're, you're creating this person, whether it's, okay, I'm saying this is going to be a girl. She's going to be bubbly, optimistic. She's going to talk to you like this. She's going to wear stuff like this. And you know you're going to attract these kinds of people. So it's like, for me, it's as simple as that. It's like understanding how one person can, you, you go out there, you put them clothes on them, you make them look good, you say, speak like this, talk like this, and then like talk to them about how they, what they believe in, and then make sure that they communicate that to the, to the customer or the person they're trying to fall in love with. And then if, you're, if that actually, everything goes well, then they, they're gonna fall in love with each other. <laughs> you guys understand that? I like that, that was a good metaphor. <laughs> so you, so you, so you, you see branding as matchmaking. Mm-hmm. So you can't change the person, the meaning the customer. Mm-hmm. So you can only change the brand. Yes. And you want to make them as attractive to the person and find compatibility so they can fit and so they can have this kind of glorious relationship with mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. That's how you make people fall in love. Mm-hmm. But so how do you do that? <laughs> so do you profile people? Do you profile your customers? Like, how do you learn about who your customers are? And how do you translate that into messaging, colors, fonts, look and feel, that kind of thing? How do you do that? It's usually, um, for, for me, it's still, everything is still starts with uh, words and um, before it goes to anything visual. So I, I, usually the clients would provide, this is the demographic, they're 35 to 55 or women or... Uh, and m- after that, it's mostly, for me, it's looking online and reading what people actually say about the current brand because it gives me a lot of clues um, when they say, this is why I love this brand, this is why I buy this thing. It gives me a lot of clues, and I pick up words from it, pick mm. up words from it, and um, put everything in an email. That's what I love to do. And then and then I'll start putting in other thoughts on top of it. Like So this, if this... <laughs> I'm trying to understand how I even work. <laughs> hey, this is a special treat then. She's doing this for the first time ever. That's pretty cool. We're it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. Jose suffers from the exact same problem, actually. But it all, but it all starts, it, for me, it all starts with words, just putting things together. And then sometimes certain words are just like, oh, it's plain Jane. Let's go to thesaurus and say, 
how many different ways can we say this word? And then once you find a beautiful word, you start thinking, these beautiful words conjure up all these different kinds of imagery. Then you start looking at imagery. So it's almost like a web process where, like a spider web. You start with words, and then you come up with better words. You come up with more words, and you have a whole page of words. And the idea is to simplify, 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 simplify. There is no point in having a five-page word document at all. What you want is a paragraph. If you get a paragraph right, and then it, it actually inspires visual imagery out of that, then, then um, I think you've come up with something that's solid. Mm. So you've introduced something that I've not done myself, which is you go and read reviews of the brand and product. Mm -hmm. Where are you going? Um, like Facebook. Amazon? Facebook? Oh, no, 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 no. No, it's more about how people talk about the brand. So not reviews about the product, but how people talk about the brand. Okay, so if the client is, say, like Adidas, because I like Adidas, you mm -hmm. would just go on the Facebook, look up the Adidas page, and see what Facebook, people are saying. Facebook, uh, see what people are saying, go on blogs, what people are saying, um, go on um, Instagram, all those things. It's, oh, it's, I think it's I more like about that. listening to what people are saying when they think the brand is not listening. You really basically just described Marty Neumeier's definition of a brand. Really? It's a person's gut feeling about a product or service. So you're reading the sentiment mm -hmm. through Facebook, through Instagram, through blog, like you said, when they're not listening. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't matter then what the logo looks like. It doesn't matter what the colors look like. It's, it really depends on how people feel. Mm -hmm. So that's one clue there. That was great. I love that. Now, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. It's eh, my job. <laughs> you said you look for words, and you go to, to the thesaurus, and... You, you want to look for a beautiful word. What is a beautiful word to you? Um, beautiful word. Um, I think something for me, it could be something that's witty. could be something that's very visual. Certain words are very visual. Like right? what? Visual. Um, I can't think of right now. Chocolate? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's right that's there. That's great. Yeah. Chocolate. Um, Chocolate's a visual word, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because if great. you think about something that describes something... There's just so many words you could choose to describe the same right. thing. And then it's just finding what's beautiful within those things. Now, are you, you're, um, are you a native English speaker? No. No. So you're looking up English words or what, English what words. other language do you speak? Indonesian, but only Indonesian? like, no, only to like 10-year-old grade Indonesian. So here's the thing. I'm not a native English speaker. And by looking around the room, there's only a handful of people here, as far as I can tell, that English is the first language. One thing personally that I find so fascinating about English is there's so many words to describe a particular meaning in so many nuanced ways. It's hot, it's tempid, it's boiling, it's all these words. Mm -hmm. And choosing that right word that, in your parlance, a beautiful word, these, these are things I talk to about my students all the time. And understanding the difference between paranoia and fear, that's really to have that understanding and then mm -hmm. to be able to drive it through in a visual concept. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we know, read the reviews when the brand isn't listening. Find a beautiful word, something that's witty, that's visual, that's super precise and clear because that drives everything. And lastly, write a paragraph that has meaning. I'm tired of reading brand strategy from companies that it just it means nothing. It's like a light, fluffy cloud. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything with it. It doesn't look like anything. It doesn't sound like anything. But for some reason, companies pay a lot of money to do that. It makes them feel safe. They use buzzwords. So there's a warning for you right there. If your brand statement is fluffy words that are just you know, all on wired or the, the buzzy marketing jargon, that's a warning sign. Mm -hmm. 
it has to start to sound like maybe some something real. Yeah, maybe like something a, person. a real person would say exactly. So, and it has beliefs in it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. That was really helpful. Anybody have any questions so far? How do you handle when um, a client may not understand um, their own clients, or I'm sorry, you know, their their own customers? Customers. And also, like when maybe they're probably maybe ten years behind the curve, and you're trying to give them a future look, and they're really based maybe. 2000, 2015, that's, that's something we really struggle with. Great question. So let me just restate in case I didn't make the audio clip. How do you work with clients who may be behind the curve and don't have an understanding of future customers? How do you deal with that? Because I'm sure our audience comes across that all the time. Mm -hmm. And this was a charged question, so this one might explode on us. So let's see what happens. Yeah. And I think Chris and should answer this one. For the, for the record, these uh, the opinions expressed by Yo are hers and hers alone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, well, it's always good to show an, another example. It's here, here's a company who, before the rebrand, was this this big, this much, this many customers, and here's what happened after they did rebrand. Even though they they think they didn't need it, but suddenly they they opened up their customer base to this other demographic. So it's always, I think it's always people always like stories. People always like to hear success stories, and if you can give some anecdotes that r relates to what their concerns are, I think that would be helpful. What you're saying is you need to have in part of your bag of tricks, your arsenal of debate, case studies. It's used in law, it's used everywhere, business case studies, so that you can talk about it. You, you want to talk to a business person, you need to learn their language. So what I would say, Michael, is let's stop talking about graphics, colors, aesthetics, those kinds of things, because those things are highly subjective, right? You can show me something and you could say, this is really cool, Chris, and I could say, no, it's not, that's so 2013, and then we can have a debate about it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about real things. Here, here's a very clear difference between two companies positioned in a very similar place, Target and Kmart. Two companies that are mass consumer goods. One has a brand where you would go to because they have really sometimes quality design work for not any more money. And then I remember growing up as a kid because we were poor, Kmart, like I didn't want to be seen at Kmart. But Target, on the other hand, <laughs> now that's cool, right? So. You need to cite case studies to help your clients understand in terms that they appreciate. Mm -hmm. And usually the terms they appreciate is bottom line, market share, revenue, new markets, innovation. So let's learn to talk the language of business. Okay? <laughs> you, oh, you're going to say it. All right, go ahead. Can I add something? Short. Short. I had a client, same issue. I bought the Harvard Business Review, which I love. And they started leaving it in their magazine rack in the office. And eventually, he started actually reading it, and he actually subscribed. And now he started telling me what he needed to do. I didn't even have to tell him. <laughs> so what is that called? That's like a Trojan horse inception? What did you just do there? Is that inception? Yeah. No, it is inception. Influence. Influence. He didn't believe me, but he believed the Harvard Business Review. It's totally true. Go ahead. You're getting paid to, to give him you know, this advice. Why does he not believe you? That's also something we struggle with. Oh my God, this is another show. Hold on. Yes. Let me just <laughs> Hold on. That was a great question though. Let me, it's a great question. It's like, why pay somebody not listen to them? I'll tell you why in a second. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? 
Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You know, there is a thing about credibility. Harvard Business Review, you've heard of that school, Harvard. Jose Cabaler, they could say the same thing, right? And I had this exact same argument with Jose. I'm like, Jose, this is the future. I talked to him. He's like, no. And then I said, this famous person said, okay, you're right. Yeah. I, said, I just said the same thing. I could have totally lied to you. You know what I'm talking about. We won't mention that. But he's like, yeah, you're right. Just instantly like that. So a lot of it has credibility. So when you say something from you, it sounds like it's self-serving. You don't have to take my word for it. Read it in the Wall Street Journal. Read it in the New York Times. Dr. XYZ from you know, Fortune 200, 100 companies said this. It's up to you now, man. Right? So unfortunately, as designers, we've been trained too much to talk about design, graphics, and color, and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You're losing that argument every single time. I'll tell you that. Because mm-hmm. if you ever hire a creative person and they do work for you, They'll tell you your ideas are stupid, that you're old, that you're lame, and you don't know what the new hotness is, right? That Helvetica's passe. What are you going to do? Are you going to argue with them? You're, like, <laughs> you're just some dumb punk kid who's going to tell me what the aesthetics are. But that's what you sound like to the other person. But let's move on. We're here to talk about branding. I'm not here to vent. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think we touched upon this a little bit, but tell me a little bit about your secret sauce. How do you give brands personality? Secret sauce? I just Come on, said it. <laughs> How do you give them personality? Make them fall in love with each other. But how? But how? Well, here, I'm, I'm a boring commodity. I'm a marker. Sell me this bed. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Uh, how do you give this marker personality? Uh-oh. Well, who is it trying to attract? I don't know. <laughs> um, Let's say it's trying to attract people like Jose, because he loves Sharpie. What would you do? How do you give it personality? Take us through the process. <laughs> I don't know. Don't I don't know? know. I don't know. Come on, man. Um, the internet wants to know. How do you do it? Maybe share a case study. It could be something that you've done or something you see and you admire because you're in this space. We want to hear from you. Let's say LA Downtown Earth. Can I talk about LA Downtown Earth? Yes, you can. Okay. Let's just say. Let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. So, I've been living in downtown for 13 years. This was before downtown was even like. Safe to live in. <laughs> Not but cool, anyway. just safe. Safe. Uh, but anyway, so I've been living in downtown for that long, and I've seen the change that it has happened in downtown. Apartments are, like, popping up, restaurants, businesses, shopping malls. And, and for me, what was missing was um, something that to give the downtown a voice, that it's actually a cool place to live in, that it has changed from what it was 13 years ago, that it's something you need to celebrate. And so... Besides the point, that was, say that was the brief. That was the brief, right? Let's say that's the brief. How do we design something like that? First, we came up with the name, um, LA Downtowner. We, we came up with a few other names. I can't remember what it is now, but there's something about LA Downtowner that's so simple. It's memorable. It has a sense of pride. Um, so we, we came up, we went with that name. And then the other thing is the logo. We wanted. What other names did you come up with? I'm just curious. I can't remember right now. Not one? Not one. It was just, for me, it was instinct. Like, shut up! Who's that? <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. It That's was, her it management was just right. style. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm really happy with someone's work, I kick their chair. I'm like, Good job. Good job. Shut up. <laughs> you want a beer? <laughs> <laughs> Giving a brand a personality Starts is, with a name. Starts with a name. Um, starts with, of course, knowing what demographic you're trying to attract. And then 
putting some words together. What is it? Is it cool? Is it help? Is it cultural? Is it influential? Is it? Are you a curator? Put a personality trait together, and then after that, you start thinking about what would this person say? What would this brand say? And you'll start putting. Say this. It's trying to say. One word, uh, one sentence, and you do it in five, six times in different ways, like in a more wittier way, in a more romantic way, and then suddenly something feels right and something hits. Does what fits with uh, what you're trying, what the demographic you're trying to um, talk to, and then after that, once you develop a tone of voice, you go into visual look and feel. What says all those things? Yeah, let me pull you back hard, in. Right? It's hard to talk about my process because I have no process. Okay. We'll probably edit that out for your <laughs> clients. <For> clients. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably really scary. Well, okay. let, me, let me just pick it up. Okay. Because okay. I'm reverse engineering your whole process right now. Okay. okay. So you said, let's start with a name. So how do you give brands personality? Start with a name. And you picked L.A. Downtowner because it gives you a sense of pride. And from the little that I know about writing copy, when you write a headline, it's supposed to be self-selecting meaning the audience either says that's me or not me. Mm -hmm. So you have to plant your flag somewhere and say this is what I stand for. Mm -hmm. It's not for the West Sider. I was going to start a newspaper called the Santa Monica West Sider <laughs> to compete with the LA Downtowner. Yikes. Right? Yeah. So that, that means you're either with me or you're not with me, and that's mm -hmm. it. So that's great. So names that don't mean anything, like Bubble Bob, that's not going to help you. Start with a name. Mm -hmm. I also like this idea, and you probably don't do it in a formal process, but I will be doing it soon, you try to say something, and you send it through different filters. What is the witty version, the romantic, the sarcastic, the mm -hmm. hipster, the ironic hipster? And you try to see how that sounds. Now, you have an example that I love. For Pinkberry, instead of saying, we open from 9 to 5, mm -hmm. how did you guys say it? Swirling daily. You see, so open 9 to 5 goes through what kind of filter that comes out swirling daily? Um, the fun, bubbly, act. The Yo Energetic, filter? yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Everything gets sent through the Yo filter, <laughs> and it comes out swirling daily. I love that. Or what if the, the sign said something like, um, don't park on the street? Mm -hmm. How would Pinkberry say it in that same consistent voice? How would they say it? What was it? I can't remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no I, it said something about respecting our neighbors or being neighborly or something like that. Yeah, right? I know. I know you're, which slide you're talking about. I'm so sorry. I know your work better than you. We'll move on. <laughs> But that's the idea. Think about this. This is how you start to do branding, you guys. Take every dull, boring thing that they do that sounds like a voice, run it through the brand filters. So in the case of Pinkberry, it's yo, which is bubbly, fun. What else? What's the other word? Energetic. energetic. Bubbly, fun, and energetic. Send it through. Right? So instead of saying open, exit, park here, don't do this, don't do that, send it through that filter. So now what I want you guys to do in the audience everybody that's watching on the internet, is be more cognizant, be more aware of when you're going through a store, look at how they talk to you. Really well-designed hotels are very consistent. So check out like some of my favorite that are out there. I'm not going to mention any brands, but if you go and check them out, you'll see the ones that do it right. Take notice. You can learn a lot from that. All right? Okay, let's move on. I put you enough on the spot on that, yeah? Now, you started a lot of companies. Like almost too many companies. <laughs> yeah. You started with your design company, and then you started to launch other companies and be a, be on the board of directors, that kind of thing. Why do you start so many companies? What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, I think uh, for one, I'm the type of person who likes to always likes a challenge, and 
I, I find I love like running one design company is not hard enough. It's it's hard enough. It's hard enough. Believe me. <laughs> but I I like different subject matters and I love creating brands and I love putting people great people together and see the brand become something else, become its own entity. So yeah, it's, I think it's as simple as that. And and I think one of the first ones that hit me was seeing how. Amazing. I, when I worked with Pinkberry, they had one store, obviously. They had three three or four employees when I started with them. At the time when we stopped working with them, they had, I think, over 30 employees, over 200 stores internationally. And it was just so inspiring to see the whole process happen in front of your eyes. After a while, it was just I was just burnt out. And I wasn't doing my best at Ferro Concrete. I wasn't managing fruit well. And so it was. that's a huge mistake, like not understanding your own limitations. As much as you, you're passionate about it, I always believe you So you're spreading yourself too thin? Spreading myself too thin. You know how well she learned that lesson? She started two more companies. <laughs> <laughs> See how well she... She's a good student. No, but, but, what I, but I, I did that differently where there's really good people in oh, place I see. from the beginning whom I know all... I'm not so much involved with it. I'm pretty much like, uh, this is where it should go and have the discussions and like kind of guided a little bit but it's I don't really do the day-to-day stuff it's crazy to have brick and mortar in this day and age Mm -hmm. because you're dealing with overhead staff uh, firing hiring HR you're dealing with lots of stuff Mm -hmm. when the future seems to be happening online anyways test your idea out there several times in my career I've had the opportunity to uh, close my practice down and go on the client side they've asked me to come join them one happened recently um, and I've said no most of the time, or actually no, all the time. Here. I've said no all the time. Have you had that same thing happen to you? Yeah, um, I actually went through the same uh, experience where uh, um, a client asked me to shut down the company to join them full time, become the creative director, and offered me shares in the company. But at the end of the day, I, I felt it was. Um, I, I'm the type of person who gets bored working on one brand and one brand only. And so part of the charm for having a, my own design studio is to work on different subject matter all the time, different brands. And also one of the things that I really, really can't give up is the freedom, the freedom of owning your own business. The freedom of the struggle. The freedom of the struggle. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you walk into work, you work with your favorite people, and it's, there's a sense of ownership and pride, and it's just, it's just nothing. No, money, no amount of money can buy that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's strange that you saw it as either or, that mm-hmm. there was no middle ground. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I want to talk about is just the power of negotiation and understanding that you as a creative human being create a lot of value to the world. And what sickens me now as an entrepreneur who have been doing this for some time is that we just give it away and we never sit to think, the value has been created, give me equity. Mm-hmm. I have equity in a few companies and I've helped them. And I've contributed to their growth, and, and I want a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so we get into these discussions about, well, how many percentage of your company are you, what, you think that this is worth? What are you willing to give me? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to say it's either this way or that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just throwing that You there. should have been my uh, business consultant. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm still available. <laughs> Call me in your next big deal. Okay. And uh, I'm, I'm relatively affordable. Yeah. I, only, I only want 20%. Scary. <laughs> Scary. If you do that, do they expect you to remain involved with them over the future as well? No. It's beautiful. Okay. We define a scope of work. Mm-hmm. We ask for a percentage plus money because I get it both. I want money to cover my expenses. 
and I get equity for the intellectual capital that I'm bringing, and then we're done, I've earned my shares, and I keep doing other things, okay. right? And if they want more work, great. Let's talk about a retainer okay. on a preferred discounted rate. Everybody wins. Because right? a lot of the companies, when you ask for equity, they want you to like remain involved as they're created with across like Everything is negotiable. You get to determine what works for you, or you walk. And if you are truly valuable, truly, and not just because you think you're valuable and your mom told you you're valuable, then they would offer it to you. Because they understand. Question. Okay, go ahead, Gabby. Since you said naming was important to you, how did you come up with the name Ferro Concrete, and what does that mean to you? Oh, Ferro Concrete was actually a simple story. It, it, I was in school, instructors said, come up with a fit na name for a fake company. And then I came up with Ferro Concrete because I love concrete. And then it also became a metaphor for me for, because Ferro Concrete means when you put steel beams and then you pour concrete into it. So it, it's a technology that enables multiple story buildings and bridges. And so it became a metaphor for building brands into skys skyscrapers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> He is so, oh, he's like mom. He really is. So really what you're talking about is the the iron rebar mm -hmm. that's inside concrete mm -hmm. allows it to be much stronger than it is. So your brand, your identity, I'm sorry, is the exterior of the concrete. The rebar is the stuff that allows it to be awesome and strong. Yes. Yeah. It's the okay. foundation. I have I have I have a philosophy in life. You've heard this before. I said it's to make money doing what I love. So if it's just doing what I love, it's not going to work for me. It has to make money doing what I love. And to make money is not going to work for you either. Yeah, just making money, not loving it, not going to work. Yeah. So my whole thing is, like, I would love for you to redefine what you love. Redefine what I love? Yeah, not you specifically, no. but our audience. Like, if you're, oh. <laughs> you're an image maker, you're a typographer, that's what you love. So you'll make layouts and you'll craft things in Photoshop. That's what you love. What if you were a problem solver. For many years, we describe ourselves as motion designers. Mm -hmm. So we're only looking for motion design problems to solve. Mm -hmm. And then my business coach, Kira, said, and if you want to watch that episode, there's a link here, is that he said, well, why do you define yourself like that? Mm -hmm. You're an image maker. Does anybody need images? Mm -hmm. Well, everybody needs some kind of image, and you're very good at it. So it started to broaden out. And so the broader I go now, the to me, the more valuable I've become mm -hmm. and the happier I've become. But I know I'm like a weird duck in that regard. No, and okay. it's, it's very true because <clears throat> if you ask me what is what makes me happy or, or what is the thing that I love when I first graduated, I would say m making, making, designing, stuff. Making, making stuff. Hands or, on. Yeah, hands Pushing on. Pixels. Creating stuff and seeing it out there. And then if you ask me again five years later, it made me happy to start all these businesses. And if you probably ask me ten years later, what makes me happy is probably, I don't know, Make money. taking grandkids to school. <laughs> Every time Jose comes on the camera, just cut him out. All right, let's, let's talk to the people. Let's, let's take it to the people on the street, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Is, it, is that hard? Being a leader? Yeah, being a leader. Um, good question, man. Good question. Yeah, it's a really good question. Right, hand on I, um, I, for me, it isn't because I'm, I'm not the kind of person who, it, it really depends the kind of leader you want to be. I'm the kind who's like, hey, punch you on the shoulder. Shoulder and then like it's kick your shoulder. chair. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think my job is to really like inspire the team, get them excited to be at work, and get them excited about the project. Work well with each other and foster discussions and just be kind of a guide, not the type of like, oh you're late, 
Come over there. <laughs> it just depends. But for me, it, it, it's pretty natural because I think maybe it's because I'm the oldest kid too. I don't know. But it just comes naturally. Because <laughs> you're a Pisces. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm already bossy at home anyway. <laughs> Wait, who are you bossing at home? Nobody. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll put your, um, uh, what is that called? Match.com profile at the bottom here. What so you the guys. hell? It's all about building brands and connecting people. I want to connect Yo. She's a Pisces. She oh enjoys making things. and. Hey. You're already uh, hindering me from uh, going out tonight. Remember? There was a party tonight yeah, that I had to sick. do this. I save you from a lot of nonsense. <laughs> Pisces make great lovers, by the way. <laughs> we'll edit that part oh out. Who's okay. got the next question? No? Did you pursue any further education after majoring in graphic design? Did you um, try to go into business or to try to learn how to manage your agents? Mm. So, you see, you studied graphic design. How do you know how to run a business? What do you know about marketing or negotiations? Apparently not a lot. Not a lot. And <laughs> all that kind of stuff. How do yeah. you know how to manage people? How do you know how to become a leader? Those are not necessarily skills that they teach you in graphic design for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's those things that you can pick up as you go and learn. And actually, it's not just the outcome. It's about the journey and the experience that makes it fun. And I learn a lot. I've made people cry. I've cried. You know, maybe I was a bad boss one day. I don't know. Probably the alcohol. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he always give it, me this. It's your reputation, look. not mine. Hey. <laughs> it's your reputation. Hey, I'm fun. <laughs> anyway. Well, hey. So I, I would like to jump in there. We don't, as graphic designers or creative people, learn any of the business skills, and I think that puts us at a major deficit. There's this thing in 300. Like, okay, I'm gonna out myself in terms of the total dork. It's fine. Frank Miller, 300. Leonidas, this young boy, is a Spartan. And, and the test of becoming a man is to dump you off in the woods with a spear. And you have to survive there. It teaches you a lot. Only the strong make it back. So that's what she's saying. Like, you're on the street, you're learning from real people in real circumstances, and there are real consequences. When you F up, somebody quits. You get fired. You lose money. You go upside down. You go bankrupt. You lose it all. When you're in school, you get a D. Who cares? Nobody cares. And that's why it's like, this is real now. And it's hard. It's a dog-eat-dog world. All right, next question. Do you have any tips or advice for leading a meeting with a client? A lot of questions about leadership. Hmm. Leading a meeting with a client. Yikes. That's, Your turn. That's a question for you. I believe it's addressed to you. But it's. Uh... How do you do it? How do you do it? It's probably fun to be in meetings with you. <laughs> it is. Well, tips, I always walk in chirpy, always walk in happy, Don't even if you're in a bad mood. But anyway, it's, it, I think a lot of the times you walk into a meeting, clients, first of all, they wanna, they've probably seen your work online. So you might want to show them something in a, in a meeting if you want to go into something more detailed. But it's more, more about you getting to know them and how, how much... Um, you you work together. You, can you work together as a team? Do you get what they're saying? So a lot do a lot of listening, um, and then um, gut instinct and and talking. Reiterate, re reiterate, okay. reiterate, <laughs> reiterate. The shoulder. Reiterate the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, girl. But yeah, it's it's just about chemistry, chemistry, and then making sure that um, you sell your work well. And uh, I don't know. I can't answer. <laughs> it I'm done. Listen. <laughs> Did her answer surprise you at all? The Cut. person who is all about 
brands are about personalities and chemistry? Her answer will be, it's all about your brand and your personality. It is. I have an answer, though. Yeah, you, you, you gave me it. just enough time to think about the yeah. answer. Yeah, okay. I can, love can that. Just edit that out. my answer okay. and just do yours. No, your answer was great, by the way. No, it, it was. It was a very good answer. It was. Jose is so supportive. <laughs> <laughs> you want to get in the chair? You want to hug? Come on, man. I, I'm providing her the support you're not giving her. That's, That's why Jose is not allowed on the show. You guys revoke his uh, press pass or whatever it is. Okay. No, you're great. I'm just teasing you, Jose. Um, here, here's my answer. We do meetings all the time, and I used to be scared to death about doing the conference call. The fate of your company, yourself, your self-worth, everything hangs on the freaking conference call. Get on the phone, my voice is all shaky, like, what am I going to do? It's because in my mind, there was this narrative I was creating that was killing me, that I need this job. I'm not worthy. They're my masters, and they get to anoint who is good and who is not good. So every word I'm saying, I'm thinking about four times before I say it, and then I, I can't say the word shoulder. You know? You know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. Here's what I want you to think about. You need to go to meetings with extreme self-belief. Confidence is what they call that, right? And confidence is not like, I'm the best, name drop this, I've done this, who are you? That's what I'm talking about. To me, confidence is about being vulnerable and being transparent about who you are. I find this to happen to me, and every once in a while I can check myself. I go in the room and I think, oh, you know, like, if they only found out that I drove a Toyota, I'll be ruined. So the whole time I'm running around thinking, please don't anybody ask me about Toyota. I start preparing lies about Hondas, whatever it is. I create a whole narrative in my mind. If I just walked in the room, hey, everybody, I drive a Toyota, it's out in the open. And I don't give an F if you think that's cool or not. I just don't care. So go into it being transparent. Say whatever it is. You've got a big zit, like I have a zit here. Just like, I have a zit, and that's it. And nobody can talk about it anymore. <laughs> you know, I got a bum leg. I got a bad knee. I got a, you know, whatever. Just own it and be who you are, because that's what's going to give you the confidence, okay? So in your mind, you need to, like, flip the narrative. You don't need them. You need each other. You're equals at the table. I could do this for you, or I can't. And I'll go to the next person. And good luck with whoever you pick. So when you go into that room, and I like to go in completely unprepared. I don't want to know anything about them. I don't do any research. Because I find that then I don't jump to any conclusions. Right? I don't need to be the smartest guy in the room. And I tell them up front, I don't know anything about you. I just want to learn. So I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then I'm going to shut up and listen. And I'll take notes, and I'll ask you questions. And that's really refreshing for people. You know, so now I'm endearing myself to them. I'm like, wow, this person isn't going to give me any BS. They're just going to tell me the truth. And people respect that, believe it or not. If you don't, get out. You don't want to work with them anyways. Is that okay? Which answer did you like better? I'm just kidding. So mean! Vote below. Okay, anyways. Uh, next question. Uh, UCLA coming in strong. Go ahead. I also have a question for um, Yo. Could you um, extend your sort of principles and philosophy on branding a business into branding yourself? She just told you about Pinkberry. Who does Pinkberry sound a lot like? Yo. <laughs> Bubbly, Whoa. fun, energetic. Uh-oh, no. She's, that's her brand, right? She's sitting here talking about wine and beer, and I'm fun, I'm fun, I'm about the artist. That's who she is. So you so guys walk away. So you're saying Pinkberry as a brand is an extension of Yo? It is, because <laughs> it's called what? Fro Yo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting all night. Thank you for setting me up on that one. <laughs> it's called Fro Yo. It's not called Fro Do. Fro Yo. 
Come on, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, don't edit that out. I'm here all night, you guys. I'm here all night. Uh, two drink minimum. Okay. Yeah, you know what? It's funny, if you read all the messaging from Feral Concrete, Concrete Brands, they sound a lot like yo. No. They do. No. They do. No. Check it out. <laughs> they do. No. You know, I actually have an article. I'm not trying to plug this, but maybe I am. An article on LinkedIn on understanding your own personal brand. What should you do? You should ask people, what do you think of me? Yeah. Remember, it's not about you. It's what they think. So people are going to say things about Chris. What are they going to say about me? Go ahead. What are they going to say about me? Yo. Mean. I mean. No, it's fine. I mean. No. Sardonic. Sardonic. They're going to say things like that. So what you do is you kind of write those words down, and you start to think, this is what people know me as. Do I like that? If I don't, I need to start to change things. We're all capable of change. And the change isn't to please somebody else. It's because I looked in the mirror, and I don't like that. I know exactly what my brand is, okay? Sometimes I'm a jerk. That's totally true. Sometimes I can be charming, so I'm a jerk. That's how I do it. I smash those two things, and I might send you a biting comment, but with a little smile on the end, maybe? Or maybe just a jerk. That's fine. All right, there's a question in the back there. You use your, uh, I guess, graphic design process, like design-centered thinking for all of your businesses. So do you think you're approaching all your businesses like a designer first, other than like a CEO, or is there a um, that's a really good question. I think the first, especially fruit, the first, the first one, the cookie company, I did think of it as like, what should the brand look like instead of how much is the product going to sell for, and who is the market if we open it here, um, what it, what is it like trying to um, train employees? So I didn't even think about all that. I didn't have a business plan, and I just went for it with just the brand, and I think that's a really bad thing to do, it was a mistake, but you learn, you know. Um, now I think you should at least come up with a plan, like at least the difference is with LA Downtowner before we even started, we actually went to hotels, we went to restaurants and say, first of all, would you carry this magazine too? Do you see yourself uh, putting ads in this magazine? So we already, we did a mock-up, we asked questions, so we know. You're prototyping. Of, yeah, yeah. And validating. So if you, if you guys go into the software world, it's like three words, right? You, you um, ideate, validate, and iterate. And you go through that virtuous cycle over and over and over again until you have gold. That's it. Um, just to challenge the notion no. that Yo's brands are not Yo, let's talk about fruit a little bit. I love what you do, I really do, but the more I see the way you brand, the more I feel like it's just you talking to me, which is great, I love it, <laughs> I love it. She has a great high energy brand, something that most brands aspire to become. Fun, approachable, not too serious, that's great, right? So for fruit, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna get this line right because I'm not a writer, but it's something like this where you say, good cookies get milk, great cookies deserve champagne. Something like that? Something like that. Doesn't that sound like yo? <laughs> that's not going to come from me, because I don't drink. But that's what I mean. It's like, it is a reflection of her. Some cookies are good with milk. Others demand champagne. Demand. <laughs> See? Demand. demand. No, I didn't, the words I matter. Didn't, Those are beautiful have, words, I have, right? I have writers who write that, though. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm not questioning your process. <laughs> and for my client, it's boosting the bottom line. See? 
All right, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in, and I would like to uh, give a round of applause to Yo <laughs> for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for having right. me. Oh my God! Somebody's slow. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Whoa, that was really? hot. Was it was hot. hot. Oh, Nothing like it's hot. Hold on. You're gonna go up your skirt. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us and spending a part of your day with me. Really appreciate it. And I want to talk a little bit about how we're able to do this. So the future is made possible by some of our lovely sponsors and partners, one of which is Pond5.com. If you guys need to get some stock footage, After Effects presets, Pond5 is the place to go. And the future is also made possible by Matthew Encina, Greg Gunn, Scott Rothstein, Nicole Wasserman, and the entire blind staff which I would not be able to do fun stuff like this and spend the day with you without their support because they run the business for me. The man behind the scene, the man with the plan, Aaron Zakelli, he's responsible for recording this, engineering it, doing the sound design, the editing. He pretty much makes this podcast possible. You can find him online as well. And of course, I have to thank Adam Sanborn, the person who composed and wrote the piece of music that you're listening to. You can find him at adamsanborn.com.